Hey guys, before we start the show today, I want to make you aware of some exciting news here at Atlanta Born and Brand. This week, we have officially launched our YouTube channel. Not only will you find episodes of the show on the YouTube channel in video version, of course, but you'll also find our brand new series we're calling Our City, Our Story. The plan for this series is once a month, we're going to give you an in-depth look at somebody that's either been on the show previously or a new business that we want to spotlight in the city of Atlanta. We're going to introduce you to their founder and tell you a little bit more about the story of that business in a short form video format we think you guys will all enjoy. So check that out, Our City, Our Story, on the Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel. Now, on with the show. From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hill. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. We found ourselves in Milton, Georgia for our episode this week, and our guest, Sean Heisman, founder of Whitetail Bicycles. Originally from Cape Town, South Africa, Sean moved to America after high school. In 2016, after working in real estate for many years, Sean decided it was time to take the leap and combine his dream of opening a coffee shop with his love of cycling. Today we talk with Sean about everything that goes into opening a bike store and why Milton was the perfect place to start. So... Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks so much for hosting us today. We've been really excited to come and, and see your space and see what you've done here. Uh, but I do like to kick off the show uh, with people uh, asking them this question. And it's when you're walking on the on the streets of Milton or you're, uh, you know, you're out with your bike and you meet somebody and they say, hey, Sean, what do you do? What's your what's your answer to them? <laughs> it's uh it's always one of those things. Usually in my previous life, I could say yeah, I was in real estate, right? Corporate real estate. Now it's almost like I have to give a whole, it's a bike shop, but it's a coffee shop and it's a beer. So I just say it's like a, like a bike salesman, man. Yeah. The bike salesman, <laughs> <laughs> the pedal powered one. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Bike salesman. A bike salesman. Yeah. You're selling yourself short there a little bit, but <laughs> I like the simplicity. Awesome. Keep it simple. Yeah, well, here you are in Milton, Georgia. Um, you know, kind of this the the heart of heart of Milton. But if people haven't figured out from your accent yet, you're not from Milton. Tell me a little bit about your story, man. Where did you grow up, and what ultimately brought you brought you to uh, Metro Atlanta? Yeah, so uh, I grew up in a really small town in South Africa called Woolsey. It's less than a thousand people, um, and at like 13 years. When I was 13, we moved to Cape Town, which is where, where most people are familiar with. And uh, grew up there, went to boarding school, played rugby. Uh, and then at 17 years old, I moved to America. I was going to only move here for a year because my dad moved here in 1996, I believe. So in South Africa, typically after high school, you go to Europe for a year after high school. And I already had my green card, so I decided, hey, I'm going to go to America instead, right? Just for a year and then go back to school in South Africa. 21 years later, I'm still <laughs> here. So um, 
Yeah, so that's the story. Uh, I became a citizen maybe in uh, 2011, so pretty proud of that. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the history. But yeah. people ask me all the time, "Where are you from?" You know, I've had anything from Australia, New Zealand, Russia. <laughs> uh, it's uh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. honestly it, it helps me out a lot with the story. People remember, sure. "Hey, this dude is from South Africa." You know, right. So. Uh, that's a good reference point. Do you still have family there? Uh, very little. Uh, yeah. Most of my family uh, moved to Australia, mm. and then my mom and my sister li- lives locally as well. Mm. So very little uh, family left in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. What went into that decision for you to, to come to America, even if you thought at first it was just for a year? Why, why, uh, why make that trip? Yeah, so um, when I moved here, so I honestly – when I grew up, I didn't know much about America. I was too caught up in my own little teenage, teenage self, mm. you know. So uh, when I moved here, it was literally like a blank canvas. Didn't know anything. And I just saw the uh, just the opportunity in the place, and I mean, it's it's nothing like it. I've been to quite a few different countries, and to me, there's nothing like it. Uh, is it perfect? No, not at all. But it's better than any other country I've ever been to. So that to me was, was a big factor. And uh, it offered me a lot more opportunity than South Africa can offer me, unfortunately. So, so 21 years later, it's still, to me, um, the, the greatest country I've ever been to and then yeah. proud to be a citizen for sure. It's hmm. awesome. What, uh, what did you think you were going to do with your, your career, your life when you were growing up in South Africa and ultimately when you got done with high school? Um, so I always wanted to, so I was very um, active in sports, so mm. I raced bikes as uh, as a young kid. I did track and field, played tennis, mm. played cricket, played rugby uh, pretty seriously. So mm. I always wanted to do like sports medicine, yeah. so initially that's what I wanted to do. And when I supposedly went back to South Africa after my year stint in America, that's mm. what I wanted to go to school for. And uh, yeah, so sports medicine interest uh, was very interesting to me. So <laughs> here I am, pretty close, you know, cycling <laughs> bike yeah. shop. So. Yeah, yeah, not too far of a deviation yeah. there. That's cool. <laughs> um, so you get here, uh, and you said '97. Is that? Uh, I visited the first time. I okay. came here end of December of '99. Okay, '99. Yeah. Gotcha. What was it once you were here that changed that thought from? Maybe I'll spend a year here too. All right, this is this is new home. This is where I'm going to set up shop. Yeah, honestly, yeah. the first um, the first three or four months is really hard. Mm. So I went to a uh, I went to a boarding school in South Africa. So mm. an all boys boarding school focused on sports and rugby specifically. Yeah. And uh, so I had a really close group of friends. So when I moved here, I had no one. Right. So mm-hmm. I moved here. All my uh, dad's friends obviously adults you know i was mm. this young 17 year old kid so it was really tough but after i would say after about six months when i got into the swing of things and got to know people i just liked it you know it's just so different where i mean small things in south africa you have to lock four different doors in your house right yeah there's bars on the windows over here we don't even lock our house mm. so small things was a big Almost like a little light bulb that goes off, you know. It's like, yeah. wow, it's very safe, it's easy. Hmm. Um, 
Yeah, the sky's the limit. You know, I saw that from a pretty young age, and yeah. to me, I'm pretty, uh, pretty interested in in new things. So, sure, yeah, it was kind of kind of a big challenge, and I said, "Man, I'm going to do it." So, did you continue school over here, or what was your path when you got here? That's a really good question. So, mm. uh, I never went back to school. Mm. Um, my mom still holds that against me <laughs> to this day. <laughs> and I tell her how I did, I did all right. But yeah. uh, I never went back to school. Um, and honestly, in my defense, I, I didn't know how to work, right? How mm. would I pay for it? How would, um, you know, anyway, so it's a long story, but I didn't know how I would be able to get into a school, mm. right? It's, it's just so different in South Africa. You know, it's, you got your scholarships and all that, and I just didn't have a clue. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, kind of the deal yeah. there. But I, till till this day, I hear, hey, you know, you never went to school. <laughs> <laughs> we our last guest this past week, you know, we talked about we have a a tendency on this show. We talk to a lot of people who have at one point or another disappointed their parents. You know, and I think that's all of us. To, that's to definitely some that's, that's my love so, point, so to speak. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, you talked about so you get here in '99. And, and we talked about before we came on um, on the podcast that you opened up, I guess, 2016 here. What's in the in-between for you, career-wise? In-between, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, that's also interesting. So um, my first job, so when I moved here, almost like off the plane, I told my dad, man, I need to get work. I need to get, get a job, you know. Mm. And uh, anyway, after like a month or so, after I settled in, I started working at Atlanta Bread Company, which mm. is also South African-owned. And uh, this one happened to be in Sandy Springs. No longer there, but Sandy Springs Circle uh, was right there in the corner, right next to Van Michael's Salon. So yeah, that's where I worked like the first year of my uh, uh, American dream, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, from there, I uh, my dad had a... Um, like an automotive business where parts distributing and gas mm. stations and emission stations. So I worked for him for like four or five years. Yeah. And uh, then I started real estate because mm. uh, I met a couple of people who were in real estate. So residential real estate till about 2010 when mm. it like really went bad. Yeah. And then I kind of merged into property management. Okay. Um, and then from there on, I went to uh, commercial property and then I became like a regional director for a property management firm hmm. and I actually had that job for the first three years while I opened up this place yeah. and quite frankly if I didn't have that job I wouldn't I wouldn't have this store sure. today uh, the first three years in small business especially in the bike industry is really tough hmm. so it actually cost me a lot of money just to stay afloat, you know. Yeah. Um, luckily, I had a, a really good job, and uh, yeah, it's uh, everything just worked out. But the yeah. first three years for Whitetail Bicycles were really tough. Yeah, I mean, you, you hear a lot about young companies and, and startup companies, and the the popular word or the popular phrase now is raise money or uh, you know investors. And that's not, that's just not the situation for most of us. You know, it's like, okay, we have to figure out, we look at our bank account and we look at how else are we going to draw in income while we spend all this money to launch, to launch a business, right? For sure. It's, uh, it was, I mean, it's stressful when you stay awake, even though at the time I had the money to 
invest into my business, it was yeah. still, you know, it's, it felt like you either pull the plug mm-hmm. or just one more month, one more mm-hmm. month, right? So I think that's uh, it's just a fine line from uh, realizing, hey, you know, maybe it's not going to work to, you know, it working. And it's yeah. just, I, I'm just got the luck of the draw, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was the first three years, as I said, really interesting. And then um, I left that job and I decided I'm going to be at my store full time. Yeah. And that was probably the best uh, decision I've ever made. Hmm. Um, sales went up. Um, just my gross overall. As with any business, if the owner is there, it just makes a huge difference. Sure. And uh, yeah, it's it just grown by leaps and bounds. You know, the, yeah. the brand is, is pretty recognizable in, in the cycling community. And hmm. we get calls from all over America for our apparel and stuff like that. So. Wow. It makes you feel pretty good. You know, it's like, yeah. wow, it's, it's kind of cool. That's rewarding for, yeah, sure, for sure to just make a, a dis- life-changing decision like that and to see that pay off. That's for awesome. Sure. For sure. Sean, what uh, was cycling sort of in your life in the background off from, you know, you talked about riding as a kid to opening this shop. Was it sort of something that you sort of did on the side all throughout that or did you kind of drift away and then realize that it was something you missed and came back? Yeah, um, so I... Um, rode my bike, uh, you know, competitively as a probably up until 13 years old, mm-hmm. and then didn't touch a bike literally until 2003, hmm. because in so in boarding school you train and pra- go to practice pretty much every day for rugby. Hmm. You're not allowed to have a bike there, um, cause, you know, liability uh, reasons, yeah. and uh, so yeah, I went all this time till about 2003 when I decided, hey, I'm going to get a bike again. And uh, that was kind of like the, 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 the switch that went off, Yeah, you know. But, yeah, it was a long time where I didn't touch it at all. So what was that, what was that like for you in 2003? You get back on it, you start, you start making this part of your life again. <laughs> Is that, like you said, the switch? Is it just like, okay, something's unlocked in me now that has sort of felt like it was missing before? Yeah. Is it that kind of a scenario? For sure. Um, yeah. Well, the first thing with the realization was like, wow, this should be a lot easier. You know, it's a lot easier. It's a lot harder than what I remembered. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, it's just for me, it was a good getaway. You know, Mm. your mental health, uh, riding a bike is like so good for your mental health Mm. and, you know, physical health as well. You know, the American lifestyle caught up with me. I gained a ton of weight because the way it was eat, you know. And, uh, you know, so that. That was kind of like the, the kind of like the, yeah, the switch, point for you know? you. Yeah, but it was hard. Getting back on a bike is really hard. Sure. And I think that's where most people, when they get on a bike, they th- think it's easy or should be easy like their childhood, right? Just cruising down the neighborhood. It's just not that. So you got to <laughs> stay with it for a while for it to be easier. Yeah. Yeah, the Peloton generation is learning that the hard way right now, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, I think Peloton has been fantastic for the bike industry, too. People, sure. um, a lot of our customers get Pelotons, never interested in cycling. Yeah. And uh, the dynamic of them improving their watts per kilogram and stuff sure. like that. They get, then they want to go outside and, and put that to the test, you yeah. know. So we see that on a daily basis where... Uh, the Peloton people come in here, buy bikes, and uh, yeah. they love it. So it's good. Yeah. It's good for the sport for me. Whatever um, grows the sport, that's I'm all, I'm all sure. for. Sure, 
Sure. sure. Yeah, we say a lot. Rising tide lifts all boats, oh, right? My, you know? my favorite my favorite quote by yeah. far, for sure. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, we'll get along well then <laughs> if that's the case. Um, so you talked about being in, in real estate and, you know, doing, opening the shop, you know, for a while while you're still doing that. What, uh, what sort of prompted you to even think about owning the shop or, or opening the shop? Was it, did you drive past a location? Was it something you've thought about for a long time? What, what sort of drove you in that direction? So it's funny you mentioned the drive by, I'll get to that. Um, so in 2014, uh, a store, a guy I knew, he did it like a bike fit for me. He had a store in McDonough, Georgia called, mm. uh, I think it was called Epic Bikes. And he mm. called me up one day and said, hey, I'm closing my store. Do you want any of this stuff? You know, I'm going to mm. make it available to you and then I'll sell out to the general public. So I said, yeah, shoot me some prices. So long story short, I went up and bought his whole mechanic shop. So mm. the stats, the tools, I mean, there's, there's so many tools in the bike industry that most yeah. people don't even realize. And I honestly didn't even know what they were. So mm. I kept that in my garage. I had a really good, really big garage. So in the corner, I set up my own little bike shop yeah. and most of the stuff stayed in boxes because I didn't know what it was, but <laughs> the general tools I could use. Yeah. And never thought I would actually use it. I thought, well, maybe one day, you know. Mm. And uh, 2016 came around. My mom called me and said, hey, you know, there's a little building for lease in downtown Crabapple. And she sent me a picture of uh, mm. the for lease sign. So I always wanted a coffee shop. So I figured, oh, maybe I'll open up a coffee shop. Yeah. And I called the gentleman who owns it. And uh, he had about... He, he told me he had about 12 people inquire about it in the first tw 30, 30 minutes wow. to an hour. <laughs> so I met with him uh, one afternoon, spent the whole day with him. And uh, at the mm. end of it, he said, okay, Sean, I'm going to give it to you. You know, I'm going to let wow. you have the place. These are the details. We, uh, the following week, we met with his attorneys and set up the lease. At that point, I didn't, oh, actually, I did have a name. But I didn't have a business plan. Hmm. Uh, I had no clue what I was really going to do. But hmm. you know, I figured it was a great location. I got to do yeah. something with it. Yeah. And I came up with a business plan, um, invested uh, most of my own money into it. And uh, that's how it came about. The, the building was pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, we did um, new roof, new floor, new subfloor. It didn't have any restrooms. So we put restrooms in, running mm -hmm. water. Uh, obviously painted it and um, did the did the whole build out. So, as I mentioned before, I wanted to keep the the characteristic, you know, the old yeah. characteristics. And uh, yeah, the, the location is is so good. Parking is terrible, <laughs> but uh, the way I figured was, no one is just gonna walk by and buy a ten thousand dollar bike, right? So they're gonna come specifically sure. here and they'll figure out sure. where to park. And it's it's worked out that way for sure. People will. You know, if the parking lot's full, so there can maybe be 10 cars in the parking lot, yeah. they'll park anywhere else. You know, there's tons of parking all over. So, yeah. So it kind of worked out for the, you know, for the better. So. Sure. And I mean, location wise, you said it. I don't know if you could have picked a better 
location, you know, <laughs> you know, co- costs being what they are, you know, in, in Crabapple and in the Milton area in general. But as far as just being around the community of people that values being outside and values, um, you know, cycling, I'm sure you're in a, you're in a great spot, but, uh, Sean, tell me a little bit about the coffee piece. And when you're opening, were you thinking about this as, all right, I'm going to have a bike shop, but to drive a little traffic and interest, I'll have coffee here on the side? Or were you thinking of it more as, I'm going to open a coffee shop, but this is also a great location to do this bike thing that I like? Um, so it was a little bit of both. Okay. I, in my mind, the way I saw it was I went to pretty much any, every bike shop in Atlanta, mm. uh, in metro Atlanta area. And it, it just felt like something missing, right? Hmm. There's no, you walk in there, a bunch of bucks. That's what you see, right? It smells like mm. rubber. <laughs> and that's, and, and that's what it is. I'm thinking know? about the bike shop close to my house, and that sounds about right. That, that's <laughs> what it is. You know? And it's not a knock yeah. on any bike shop. Um, it's just that's what a bike shop is. Hmm. And um, I just didn't want that, you know. Hmm. I, anybody, I always tell people, anybody can open up a bike shop. You've got to do something different. So the coffee piece, first of all, that's going to eliminate the rubber smell. You'll trade mm. the rubber smell for coffee. Who doesn't yeah. like coffee? Even people who doesn't drink coffee love coffee smell. Yeah. So, so yeah, I figured um, cyclists love coffee, so why not have a proper coffee? Mm. And uh, the coffee part was uh, actually a lot... <laughs> my initial investment was triple what I anticipated. Wow. So I wanted a, uh, like a legitimate coffee experience for mm-hmm. people who come here. So I know, oh, at the time I knew a guy who was the rep for Stumptown hmm. and he set us up with the machines and the coffee. And, and um, I knew about coffee back then, but I, I like probably a quarter of what I know now. So yeah. the education piece was through the roof, really cool. And Stumptown, uh, they have a very specific way of doing things and sure. their beans and the machines. So that uh, that was pretty easy. It's overwhelming at the beginning. Hmm. Cost a, a ton of money, but well worth it. You know, that's the first thing people mention when they come in. Wow, it smells like coffee. And uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's definitely, for a lot of people, it's strange to have a coffee shop inside a bike shop. <laughs> so to answer your question, it's, it's a little bit of both, you know. Yeah. Bike shop first, for sure, but coffee we take it pretty seriously as well yeah no that's cool i talked to a lot of coffee entrepreneurs and a theme among them is it's really hard to to make back your investment and do well doing just coffee 100 percent. you have to either be strategically located or have partnerships or you also roast and sell wholesale like you have to have some sort of other plan and you kind of had that already yeah. off the bat. so For sure. For <laughs> yeah. sure. And, um, you know, it kind of morphed into we sell a ton of, like, whole bean coffee, which yeah. at the time I never thought, you know. But we have people. Sure. And, yes, you can get Stumptown in Kroger, but it's three or four months old. Mm. We get our coffee every week on Fridays. We order on Thursday. It gets roasted per order. And it's only like five days old. So wow. five-day-old beans versus two, three, four months old is kind of significantly different. <laughs> yeah, I think. And if you yeah. know anything about coffee, uh, you know, it's 
it, it's definitely we sell a lot of whole bean coffee sure uh, surprisingly so out of a bike shop so <laughs> i would have n- i never knew that the stuff you buy at kroger is that old so That's next crazy. time you go to kroger and it is cheaper you know as a, it's definitely it's probably two dollars a bag cheaper than what we sell it for yeah. but it's, it should um, be it should be <laughs> it's uh it's definitely older that's yeah. for sure yeah yeah interesting so you know we, we already talked kind of thirty thousand foot that those those first few years were difficult dive into that for me you know you're talking about you know in a specialty shop of any kind building a brand finding loyal customer base all that stuff is so important and it's just hard to open your doors and immediately go gangbusters in a specialty industry because you don't have that walk-in traffic like you said for so, sure. Yeah. What were those challenges that, that kept you up at night the first few years? For sure. Yeah. So the, at the beginning, um, so I didn't anticipate it being that hard, quite mm-hmm. honestly, you know. So I opened up um, people very, very hesitant. You know, cyclists are pretty interesting characters, mm-hmm. right? So they are very loyal for the most part to <laughs> a certain brand, to a certain yeah. shop. So you could see at the beginning, a lot of them walked in here thinking, oh, this guy be gone after Skeptical. a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to me, I took that as a challenge. And I and I, then I started realizing, hey, it is going to be really hard because there's mm. so many bike shops in the metro Atlanta area. I mean, we have one of the biggest bike shops in the southeast, four mm. miles from us. But again, I also knew we're so different, right? We don't go for the high volume bikes. It's sure. just too small of an area. And it's, it's just a unique experience. Hmm. And uh, so the, the beginning was super tough because we had all this expensive product on the floor at the hmm. time, yet no one really bought it because they wanted to have you or see that you've been in business for a while you know yeah. have a reputation before they're going to pull the trigger on a five ten thousand dollar bike hmm. so yeah i sat on that for uh, quite a quite a large inventory of very expensive bikes hmm. for the first year and a half two years and uh that i mean that, that was really stressful you know that's my <laughs> money it's my money yeah. is gone and it's sitting on the floor <laughs> and uh <laughs> It, it shouldn't be like this. By my numbers, this should have been sold, and X amount would have been made. And none of that happened. Sure. You know? um, so, and also at the beginning, I didn't have any kids' bikes. So a lot of locals came in asking for kids' bikes. Didn't have it because mm. my thought process at the time, which was uh, now proven to be way wrong, um, I'm not going to have any kids' bikes because it takes up space. You don't really make mm. any money on it, um, and that's that's wrong you, you don't make any money on it but you have to have it in a neighborhood mm. you know to get the people in the door and you just get to know these people right yeah. it's family people and then off of the bike that they purchase and you hardly make any money on it yeah they are going to break something so that's where the service comes in so the service aspect sure. so uh, again i didn't know anything about the bike industry really um i know business but i didn't know the bike industry and it's uh, mm. it's a whole different thought yeah. process by itself so i learned a lot and uh yeah it's uh it was very humbling hmm. to say the least yeah i can imagine though you know like you said you think about it off the front end you're like margin on kids bikes is nothing you know compared to this other product yeah. that i'm selling but when you drill down it's the lesson you have to learn is okay anything to get mom and dad in the store 
get them coming back because the kid's going to break the bike. That's a given. And get him come back repairs. Now you've had two or three touch points with that person that 100%. they've come in and they've seen, all right, well maybe like this is something that I can pursue. And you're the guy they already have a relationship with. For sure. So hopefully that leads to, you know, a conversion that, that is important for you. For sure. And also, um, you know, if you have dealt with them and the experience was good on a 300R kid's bike, yeah. once your name comes up in discussion with their friends or their neighbors, they have a positive thing to say. So that, mm. you know, that kind of morphs into a another potential bike sale or people coming into the door. So yeah. That that was a big misstep for me, and my mom probably should take credit for it. She said, "No, that's that's the dumbest thing on earth. You have to have kids' bikes in here. Yeah. You have to have some hybrids. Um, so we do have hybrid bikes, higher end hybrid bikes, but we do have it. And mm-hmm. um, that's been it. Uh, I think last year we were number four uh, in the southeast on this specific hybrid bike, right? So for yeah. a little store like that, it's, it's pretty." pretty good and uh yeah yeah so i can admit i was dead wrong on that Mm. well (laughs) hey but but you learn the lesson and you adapt you know there's people in business that know i'm right about this i just have to wait and eventually at the end of the day you're gonna see i'm right it's like you gotta you gotta lose that gene quickly as an (laughs) as an entrepreneur you need to listen to your market and the market's gonna tell you what they want 100 right so and yeah and and i'm a pretty hard-headed person by nature hmm. too so for me to uh to have adapted is pretty uh pretty shocking yeah (laughs) but i did it no that's a great segue though so tell me for folks that haven't actually been here you know, when you walk in the door, what can you expect at Whitetail? Talk about your, your product offerings and, and what you guys kind of pride yourself on, um, what the shop is for customers who come in. Yeah, so um, right now, unfortunately, we're really busy and kind of overrun with uh, with service. So it, mm. it doesn't look as pristine as what it should <laughs> look because we don't have any space. But in general, uh, we pride ourselves with if you walk in the door – in any bike shop, uh, it, it can be very intimidating, especially if you don't know, you know, what you're looking for. So yeah. we want to make people feel comfortable. You know, it's like a neighborhood shop. And that was my biggest thing, make people feel comfortable. <laughs> you know, whether you're spending 500 or 10000 it doesn't matter. You yeah. know, we got to treat you the same. And uh, also didn't want to, like, have clutter all over, right? Mm. Um, come to us, feel comfortable what you want. Um, we can more than likely help you out and, and we have the product in stock and if we don't we'll get it for you but uh but yeah so i just wanted to make few people feel comfortable when they walk in the door you know it's because mm. it, it, it can be overwhelming for sure i mean i know for yeah. me when i walked into my first bike shop in america it was very overwhelming you mm. know so i wanted to eliminate or reduce that barrier for sure yeah. So tell me about the process of, of somebody that walks in for the first time and, and like you said, is, is uneducated, but they just know, hey, I want a bike. You know, how do you walk through the process with somebody that's that's sort of starting from scratch? Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Um, so uh, when I first work, walk in, obviously try to make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Fact finding, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times when people what they think they are going to buy is not what they need so Mm -hmm. we present all options and have them just walk through the different options that's available you know um there's so many different kinds of bikes now 
that uh, most people don't they're not even aware of it you know yeah. so they're just a road bike or a comfort bike and that's all they know or a mountain hmm. bike you know but in between there's plenty other options and then also just break down the value factor you know if you spend x amount this is what you get if you spend five hours more this is all the other stuff that you're getting for that 500 or whatever extra yeah. dollars and it's the value factor you know so that they can make sure. their own decision and uh hey i i want people to ride our bike ride the uh the the next shop's bike and make yeah. their decision because to us it's um you're buying more of the shop than the product you know all mm. these most of these products are made in taiwan pretty yeah. much the same thing you know mm. if you really dig deep um spec'd out the same might be a different color but um you buying the the bike shop the experience um, and i think that's where we're different right so mm. we for instance now if you bring a bike in we, we have a three-week wait we're so backed up if you mm. bought the bike from us it's same day or 24-hour turnaround so that's wow. you know it's a small thing so we try to do for people and for sure. our customers that you know, and educate them on it, you know, because they can buy, or in their mind, they can buy a bike from a big box store like mm. REI or whatever, and it'll be slightly cheaper than our bike, but also they don't realize that, you know, it's that's not really what REI focus on is bicycles. Yeah. That's what we do, you know, so you'll see a kind of significant difference between the two mm. bikes and just how it's serviced, you know, and the small things like that. So educate people, that's... That's kind of the key for us, for sure. Yeah. So switching gears back again a little bit, you know, when you started the shop, you talked about you still had a full-time job. So obviously you were going to have to rely on some other folks uh, in a big way to help out. But you are also a specialty shop, so you can't hire Joe Schmo off the street. Talk about putting together a, a staff to run this place and what was important to you and how did you go about that? Yeah, so uh, right at the beginning, the um, I had one mechanic and my mom was actually the barista here. Mm. And uh, so the, the gentleman who worked for me at the time was my mechanic at uh, the shop I used to use mm. uh, when I didn't have a shop, right? When I was just a regular cyclist on the street. Yeah. So um, that was like the first eight months or so. Mm. And then I quickly, quickly realized that's not going to work out. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's different when someone is running your business versus someone just fixing your bike, right? Yeah. That's two different things. Yeah. And... Uh, me just being here on weekends wasn't enough, you mm. know. So we changed, uh, got a new uh, mechanic, and, and it's kind of someone that can help me out at the store. My mom was still here. So so that's kind of how that worked. But um, I realized, hey, and every day I realized it, that I have to be here. You know, mm. people, if they spend a lot of money at the store, as crazy as it sounds, they want to deal with the owner, right? Sure, um, sure. So I, yeah, I, I realized it, but at the time I was just so scared, you know, <laughs> to say, okay, I'm just going to get my shop. Here's the, here's the good, here's the yeah. good paycheck. I'm just going to go to my shop and right. you know, take a huge pay cut. But you know, I did it and uh, here, we, here we are, here we are. I still took a pay cut, but uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, I'm very happy. And, um, you know, the, just the quality of life has changed significantly. I used to sit in traffic for yeah. an hour and a half. Um, one way going wow. to Buckhead in my other office in Atlanta. So, mm. so that the small things have changed. 
Yeah, I was, and that was my next question for you is that first day after you quit your job, you come in here and this is full time or maybe the first week or first month. What was that like for you to finally, I know it had to be nerve wracking because you talked about the, the paychecks, a real thing. Yeah. Like that's a very tangible stressor in our lives. But when you are able to finally take that leap and say, okay, like this shop is a huge part of who I am. And now I can give it the, the amount of time that I feel like it deserves. So yeah, quite honestly, I, I was forced to do it because I lost my job. Mm. Right. So I could, you know, in my industry, I could, could have got walked into a same job the next day. Yeah. Right? I made the decision say, no, I'm not doing this again. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, go for it. And this kind of, put me over the edge to kind of force me saying, now you got to make a decision. You're either going to go back pursue to this, another job. you know, yeah. just for the hundred percent for the paycheck or mm. pursue your dream of, uh, mm. you know, having your shop succeed. And, mm. and that's what I chose. And, and again, it was that first year was first year full time. <laughs> it was really tough, but I saw the growth just by looking at the numbers, the per ticket sale went up. Mm. Um, the say, I mean, I think I, almost doubled that that first year was your full time wow and i don't think it's just because i'm a year i, I think it's just like a whole bunch of, of factors but yeah. um the owner being here definitely definitely helps you know it's sure as crazy as that sound but yeah for sure so tell me about whitetail why why whitetail and it's what a- is what is the brand <laughs> sort of developing the brand what's gone into that for you that's a very funny question because people ask that question every day and i said yeah. man i wish i had a great question or a great, great answer to it so to me um if you look at uh bike shops in general bike logos and stuff like that, it's like computer generated little man on a bike or whatever right mm-hmm. to me that's not my style I, I just can't do that sure and um georgia has a ton of deer i like the deer head logo as mm-hmm. a general um and so i had whitetail uh in mind and i had the kind of the, like the deer head logo in mind so i put those two together and uh yeah came up with whitetail bicycles and mm. a couple of people said oh so such a stupid name man <laughs> whitetail don't have anything to do with bicycles a hunt shop you know <laughs> and anyway it's been well received i mean yeah. we sell we sell soft goods all over America and people, we have people in here buy our stuff and they're not even cyclists, right? Sure. They just like the logo and the simplicity of it. Mm. So that to me, that makes me smile. I mean, that's yeah. like awesome, you know, and just to see other people wearing my brand, it's, that, that really makes me happy. I'm not yeah. Lie. That's really cool to see. Well, I think there's, there's two different types of people in the world, right? There's people that, visual brand really matters to and there's people that it doesn't <laughs> and there's not a whole 100%, lot no there's middle. not a whole lot in between you know and so you know developing that visual brand whether you think you know it correlates exactly to your industry or not but doubling down on that is is important right and it's funny though because when you think of of whitetail you think of deer around georgia you think of this super agile little animal you know that's like bouncing around is very like you know seems very carefree until you know they meet the front front end of a (laughs) f-150 but yeah it 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 fits yeah it makes sense it's it also offsets you know you have um it's a predominantly male sport unfortunately but Hmm. you'll see these these men in lycra so that 
that kind of gets offset by you know this this deer logo <laughs> <laughs> as funny as that is so um so now the 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 logo and the branding um is very important to me and uh, it's done really well for us as a whole um yeah i remember when i when i had the idea so i had the logo in mind i just didn't know didn't have the skill to physically put it on paper so mm. i asked a couple of graphic designers about it and uh they wanted way too much money and <laughs> I, I didn't want to spend that much money i know what it needs to look like yeah. i just don't know how to put it on paper right so i went on this website long story short i spent maybe 14 dollars on this web on this yeah. logo so do you go on fiverr yeah, Fiverr. <laughs> Listen, it's embarrassing to say, but no, no, no. Fiverr um, is both the the best and worst thing to ever happen to graphic design because. <laughs> It, listen, it's an it's a disruptor, right? Like yeah. any other industry, they disrupted yeah. the industry, but it forces us to get creative, you know, with 100%. things and think about things in a little bit different way. And you know, I'm sure, like in the time since then, you've thought about, okay, what is what goes into the brand other than just this logo? And there's things that over the course of the history of your company, you'll need to go to, you know. You have a really badass video, by the way, that I know. Oh, thank I you. know the folks that you know did that. So you went to the video people. You know, you eventually will. You know, like you might need marketing help. Yeah. That's important, but yeah, if you've got it in your mind, man, hundred like, percent. Yeah, so think about it. It's funny because we, uh, me and my girlfriends, um, we um, started a coffee freestanding coffee shop mm -hmm. so the logo is kind of an offshoot of the whitetail bicycles logo it's mm. called whitetail coffee company mm. so where did i go the first like it's not even a no-brainer went to fiverr again and yeah i think this time was a little bit more afraid like 30 dollars yeah. but for like the whole social media package and everything uh, but yeah 30 dollars we have our logo and again it's well received people recognize it from from this shop and sure Again, I knew what it was supposed to look like, but I'm really dumb when it comes to like, graphic <laughs> design and, and anything computer related. You're a so. high-level brand thinker. No, you know, not the. <laughs> I know what I know yeah. what I like, but I just can't sure. do it on uh, on uh, software. Yeah, sure. So. Well, we can relate in that in that regard. But <laughs> Leave it to the pros, man. That's for right. Sure. Well, lastly, I want to ask you about this community that you guys are in. Um, here in Crabapple and, and Milton and North Fulton, yes, but you've talked about folks coming from all over the city and even the southeast to your shop. What what does this community mean to you guys now? As as a or what does it mean to you as a business owner um, to to be here and, and be a part of this community? For sure, yeah. With uh, I first have to say, without the community and just our people who support us, we wouldn't mm. be here today, right? Mm. Like I told a lady earlier today, I said it's hard work supporting a small business or a mom and pop shop mm. it's so much easier just to click a button mm. or go to a big box store it'll be cheaper it'll be easier it's a lot of work supporting a small business so yeah. the mindset once the mindset change and you know that if you support that local business you support your your, your local economy your neighbor mm. so i i just have to say without that we wouldn't be here today yeah. for sure um the community as a whole has been fantastic and mm. people just stop by just say hello people bring us lunch i mean it's, <laughs> it's really cool um but yeah with uh the whole milton crab apple community has been fantastic 
Um, as far as people supporting us all over, we have built bikes for people in um, Tallahassee, Florida, uh, <laughs> all over Alabama, uh, North Carolina, Raleigh, Winston-Salem. Hmm. Um, so it's to get a call from, from there and oh, Tennessee, like Knoxville and Chattanooga, that's really cool. And yeah. Those people have killer bike shops there. But they heard, you know, about Whitetail, so they want us to build their custom bike hmm. and do the custom paint and everything. That's, I mean, that that makes me smile. Yeah. You know, yesterday I got a call or a text from a gentleman who hasn't even taken possession of his uh, very expensive bike that we're busy with, hmm. and uh, he's ready to order a. a different kind of bike a road bike <laughs> that's pretty much the same um price you know yeah. so that's well over twenty thousand dollars that mm. this person is entrusting us yeah you know to build him a buy or two bikes it's uh mm. that, that's surreal to me you know it's that's a really cool feeling that we've built up this reputation where you know mm. where people can trust us they they've never first of all they've never been on the bike because yeah. This kind of it's the kind of bike you can't test right. It doesn't just sit there. Mm. And second of all, they just here it is. You know, this is my budget. This is what I want, mm. and you guys go for it. So that that's really cool to yeah. to have that community too. You know, where it's not just local, but it's kind of all over. Yeah. You know. Used car salesmen could learn something from from you guys <laughs> and your brand. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, we yeah. um, as I said, we we don't like none of us work on commission. Mm. Mm. Uh, as I said, when people come in here, we don't, you know, we don't just want to sell them a bike. Uh, <laughs> we want to educate them, and uh, if they buy a bike from us, great, you know. But it has to be something hopefully that they'll use and not just sit in the garage. And we got we got our money, so we don't care, right? Sure. We want people to return to us, and when they walk in the door, hopefully we know their name. You know, it's. Mm. Uh, we're a small shop. We have three or four people who work there here, and uh, we try to have that personal connection with everybody. I think yeah. that's that's what sets us apart for sure. It's important, and it's a you know tell people all the time it's a richer way to live as a business owner just to be invested in your customer base 100%. Uh, and to build those relationships. That's really neat. Hundred percent. And we um, you know with COVID um, the the business is super tough because everything's out of stock. You know, mm. so parts are out of stock. People have to wait three, four months for bikes, sometimes even 10 months. So that has taught me where we send people to other bike shops, you know, mm. yeah. try them. Maybe they have it. You know, I think yeah. there's enough business for everybody. And as yeah. you said before, a rising tide, man. Mm. Um, I, I firmly believe in that. You know, I'm not, I'm not insecure thinking, oh, no, I don't want to send them to these, these guys or those guys. Hey, if they have it in stock, sure, go for it. Absolutely, yeah. you know. It's uh, I, I trust in our process enough where I know those people will be back here. Right, you know, right. Uh, because you've inve you've invested the time in building that relationship. For sure, you know. For sure, that's that's great. Well, I I lied. I have one more question for you, but uh, <laughs> uh, so you know, we talked about COVID and what that's been like for your business um, before we came on air, and I think you know the logical. Um, the logical conclusion is, okay, people want to be outside and they, they're taking on new hobbies that, you know, don't require being around other people. <laughs> so that makes sense. But has COVID, um, sort of shifted what your long-term goals are for, 
for your business? Have you thought about other locations? Have you thought more about, you know, expanding your brand through, uh, you know, digital platforms? What are, what are your thoughts and goals moving forward, Sean? Yeah, so COVID definitely has, um, you know, all we hear on the news, all the negative about COVID. COVID ha- does have some positive connotations to it, you know, mm-hmm. where you said that people are, they don't travel anymore, so they're at mm-hmm. home, spending time with the family, getting outside. Yeah. So I think there's definitely some light at the end of the tunnel and mm. for any outdoor industry and, and cycling um, in, in specifically it's done us really well where you know everything like last year was our best year by far mm. um, just due to the demand of bicycles and we've already seen that spill over to 2021 mm. so with all that being said uh, Probably, so I told you, uh, me and my girlfriend are opening up a, a, a coffee shop in Canton, yeah. which is a, a, a place I like a lot. I mm-hmm. think it's a great vibe. I think they're doing a lot of uh, cool stuff in Canton. And uh, so more than likely, we'll have a second uh, store there, mm-hmm. a bike, bike shop. Um, with the coffee shop, the number one question us and the developer over there has gotten was, so is that a bike shop too or just coffee bike shop too or just coffee so it's kind of forced my hand um to plan ahead yesterday we actually met with them to see a couple of spaces so a second location is definitely in the works if it works out you know it's i'm a firm believer if it's meant to be it's going to happen if it doesn't you know so be it you know yeah uh, wait for the right opportunity 100 percent. you can't force it so so yeah covid um, I sometimes feel guilty when people ask me, hey, how's business? If they don't know anything about this cycling industry, mm. and I have to say it's been really good. <laughs> I almost feel guilty, but, you know, I mean, you know, if you look at it, you know, so many businesses are out of business. So for sure. us, we're just very fortunate, man, just yeah. super fortunate. If if the tables were turned, I uh, like I mentioned before, I would be in closed my doors, you mm. know. I, I would not go into debt for my business. I don't mm. think that's a smart business move. Hmm. Um, so if they forced us to close our doors that first month, uh, we would have been gone, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so luckily cycling bike shops were deemed essential hmm. and, uh, that has, that has changed all of our lives really, yeah. you know? So yeah. uh, very fortunate for sure. To take advantage of the, the opportunities presented to you, you know, and I'm sure for you being in the position that you're in, you've you're thinking all the all the much more tangibly about supporting the other local businesses in the area because you know you were that one you know that one phone call away from you know the tables being fl- uh, you know turned on you and, and the script being flipped yeah one one hundred percent i uh you know it's my whole mindset has shifted ever since i opened up this store and especially with covid where <laughs> Know, support that local business man because mm. you don't know how much they're struggling the restaurants uh, around here i mean that's it restaurant business tough the people yeah. who work there you know give them that extra tip for sure mm. you know it's uh spread the spread i don't say the wealth but spread the goodness hmm. um it definitely goes a long way and it probably yep. affects people more than what you think so um Luckily, yeah. I'm, in a, I'm in a good position, so that's that's what I want to try and do. You know, especially local here in Milton, it's it's cool to um, yeah, and you just see the community be behind um, businesses as well. You know, it's it makes you feel good for sure. 
It's awesome. It's a great way to end it, Sean. And uh, I want to give you an opportunity just to tell people where they can find you, whether it's social media, website, and physical location. So share where folks can, can stumble into you. Yeah, man, it's been fantastic. Thank you for uh, for having me. Um, hopefully, I don't bore people to death with this no, podcast. No, no. But uh, no, so you can find us on uh, the uh, our website is uh, whitetailbicycles.com. Um, Instagram, I believe, is Whitetail Bicycles as well, and Facebook is Whitetail Cycles, I believe. Um, so there. There is actually another Whitetail Bicycles in existence no. in America, <laughs> which is in West Virginia. Um, I think they've since changed their names, but it is mm. Whitetail Bicycles, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, mm. uh, what's it? And our website, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll get you to it. Um, yeah, so come see us. Yeah. Even if you're not in the market for a bike, come, come chat or come have a beer or sure. coffee. Uh, we, we love we didn't even today. talk about the fact that you have beer oh yeah and we dropped the ball on that that's going to be our follow-up episode we'll just tell people hey they've got beer here definitely have beer and cold, local local only cold yeah. local beer uh Very at whitetail cool. bicycles but awesome sean well, it was great to meet you and let's keep in touch and we always tell folks if if you've got any great news happening or anything and, and need a literal microphone behind it let us know and we'll uh, we're happy to help in any way we can no i really appreciate it man it's been fun and uh awesome what you guys do for uh small businesses really appreciate it it's been Absolutely. If you find yourself in the downtown Crabapple area, be sure to stop by Whitetail Bicycles for a cup of coffee or a pint of one of their four local beers on tap. Keep up with Sean and the team on social media at Whitetail Bikes. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectsatl.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and Brand and Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd certainly appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. And don't forget to check out the brand new Atlanta Born and Brand YouTube channel. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes on the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.